Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning. It is Wednesday, September 8th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Lance Glenn. My voice is starting to get a little bit better, and so has the sunburn I sustained from this past weekend, so thank God for that. We have hit the middle of the week, only a few days away from week two of the college football season. I will be joined on today's episode by 24-7 Sports National College Football Reporter Brandon Marcello. He spent last week with Gus Malzahn and Central Florida as they prepared for their game against Boise State, a game in which they came back and won, and he wrote really a fantastic piece on his experience with the Knights head coach and his time with the program. And that's exactly, frankly, what we'll be talking about on today's episode. So now he's on the line and he joins me fresh off his trip to Orlando. Brandon, how are we doing? Thanks so much for giving me some time and coming on today. Yeah, thanks. Fantastic. College football's back. Yes, it is. And I'm sure we were all so happy. I'm sure you were too, to see uh, the pageantry of college football return. You know, you were in Orlando. uh, You saw that first game, Boise State, Central Florida, And look, what a game it was. Down 21-0 with Central Florida, and then 24-7, they come back and they win 36-31. There were ups and downs galore in that game. A weather delay, too. Quite the start, I think you would agree, to the Gus Malzahn era for the Knights. Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun to, to to cover that game. And, you know, I think the uh, crowd would have been even crazier if there wasn't that lightning delay. I think a lot of, uh, you know, uh, those fans left the stands uh, afterward because it was a weeknight and it was, you know, nine something o'clock when the game finally started. But heck of a comeback by UCF and a great kind of appetizer to the huge weekend that was in college football to open things off. And um, my first experience at the bounce house, and I'll tell you what, when that thing's full, it's going to be a monster for some teams. Did it live up to, I guess, your expectations, at least early on? Because like there, you said, there was the weather delay, and obviously some fans left afterwards. It was on a weeknight, so that kind of made it difficult for fans to stay. But at least at the beginning, did it meet your expectations for what you thought you would see when it was you know full capacity? Yeah, it, it, it very much did. And the one thing I wasn't expecting was <laughs> the, the press box to shake. Uh, when the fans jump up and down, that's why they call it the bounce house. And it started shaking. And I was like, oh man, I haven't felt this since, uh, I guess, attending a game at Texas A&M or something like that. And it was very, very impressive. The other thing that was very impressive, I love their campus. And that is very much a school that is run by the students and that student section uh, in that stadium. That is what makes that thing go. It's obviously a huge university with their enrollment, but it's very obvious that's a very young fan base and one that, you know, 10, 15 years from now is going to be a monster when these kids get older and they start donating money and everything when they become professionals. It's it's very, very uh, interesting. It was an enlightening trip, even just seeing that as well. So I want to start by looking big picture and then we can get into more details with it all. You put in your story that Malzahn agreed for the first time in his career to open the doors to his program. And and he has to have done that for more than just wanting to show off UCF. It's got to be more than that, just because if that was the case, then maybe he would have done it at Auburn. Why do you believe he chose now to allow this kind of access into his program and into 
that UCF program? Well, you know, number one, he's opened it a little bit at Auburn, but he hasn't allowed someone to come in and watch practices and meetings uh, and everything. Like I had free reign. I can go anywhere I wanted, which was nuts and crazy. And I've known Gus Malzahn for better part of 10 years. And the fact that he agreed to this kind of almost shocked me. But I'll say this. I I think one, not to disappoint people, but one, I think is our relationship. He kind of knows who I am. And obviously we're, we're, uh, about as pretty close as you can get without being saying we're friends or anything like that. And also I have an ace in the hole and that's his wife. Uh, his wife convinced him very much to do this. <laughs> so that helped out quite a bit, but also outside that he understands he's at a, he's not at a power five program anymore. He needs attention there. He needs to get the word out. And so he's much more willing to kind of, to do things like this. And uh, you could also tell, I mean, goodness gracious, you guys, I don't know if anybody's seen the pictures of him on Twitter. He's like wearing Hawaiian shirts now and all this crazy stuff, which is for him weird. He's very much a person who has loosened up quite a bit and doesn't feel as much pressure as he wants to at Auburn. And that makes him a little bit more relaxed and willing to do things like this. Well, look, it seems like he's certainly living that Florida life. So now just looking at your week with the program, what were one or two of your biggest takeaways on the experience you had with Central Florida? You know, less about Malzahn specifically and more about just the program overall and how they prepare and go about their business. Well, number one, I knew that these these players have incredible time commitment having to deal with all this, but seeing it up close and starting my days at 6 a.m. and then till early evening, you know, it's incredible the time commitment these kids have to give up every single day of their lives because not only are they doing that, but they're going to class uh, and, and I couldn't imagine going through what they have to do every single day. And that just tells you how committed these kids are and, and, uh, and how disciplined they are. Also, I was surprised to hear from players just kind of about how different things have, have been just as far as culture and atmosphere there. It, it sounded like there was some uh, discipline issues. Um, with the program, especially last year as they were dealing with COVID that kind of allowed them to be more lax with following rules and everything. And they weren't really taking a task about it. Then there were some X's and O's things that kind of shocked me about just how things were running in the hypo era that I wasn't expecting. And then, you know, also this is a program that kind of knows that they're about to become a power five program. And you can tell in that building among the administrators as well, that they are already conducting themselves as if they are a power five program. And by that, I mean, they're talking about the future 10, 15 years from now that makes you go, am I not, am I sitting in an office right now talking to the AD at, you know, say like, uh, you know, uh, Florida instead of UCF? I mean, they were showing me plans for, they call it their football campus, where they're going to just kind of redo things. They're going to put like a like this river in next to the stadium and all this stuff. And they announced these plans a few weeks ago. But how can you not think that this is already a Power 5 program just by the way they're talking and planning things? And uh, it's quite fascinating to see that up close, this kind of, they're already going into this transition of becoming a Power 5 program officially. And sure enough, uh, the day of their game, we finally hear that, hey, uh, the Big 12 is uh, expecting to invite them. And uh, boy, it, it was kind of quite an exciting time there late, uh, late last week. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, over the past couple of days, we've been hearing more of that UCF to Big 12, also along with Cincinnati, Houston. And I think BYU was that fourth team that could possibly be invited to the conference and that could become a power five school. So I want to 
now ask about Auburn compared to UCF for Gus Malzahn. Look, you've known him for a long time. You've now seen him at both programs. And this is a question I've really been curious about. Do you think Gus Malzahn, or do you think for Gus Malzahn, getting fired at Auburn was kind of a blessing in disguise? You know, Do you think that plain and simple, he's just more happy at UCF now than he was at the end of his Auburn tenure the last couple of years. Oh yeah, definitely. And I listened, you know, as a reporter covering Auburn, you know, you knew about certain things that one, you couldn't report, but secondly, even the things that were public, that kind of gives everybody a taste of just how bad the pressure is at Auburn can be at times. I mean, the moment you show weakness, there's a couple of boosters there that really kind of put their hands in the in the uh, in the pie, so to speak, and start trying to fix things themselves, which obviously whenever you have someone breathing over your shoulder, it's going to irritate you. But when those people breathing over your shoulder aren't necessarily your bosses, they're just people who give money and they're allowed to do that. That's irritating. And uh, it certainly had to. And, and I know it irritated Gus Malzahn and he, he was sick of it. But, you know, it's nice to get that big payday there and also be at a program where you know it's built to potentially win championships. It's just it went south for a lot of reasons. Recruiting started going south. Uh, and then, of course, everything with the, with the boosters did not really help matters. He was a worn out man, I think, after he got fired there. And it was a bit of a sigh of relief when when it happened. Now, obviously, he probably would like to still be the coach there, even with that going on because of the payday. And also, there's a better avenue to potentially win a championship. But I think in a lot of ways, he's this is probably the best thing that's happened in his life. This is a guy who's never been fired from any job in his life, whether it was coaching or working at a laundromat. This guy has never dealt with that before. And He's definitely a changed person and and I think has kind of valued, one, the opportunity he has to be a head coach, but secondly, to be a head coach somewhere where he doesn't have people who are not necessarily involved in athletics or his bosses breathing down his neck. And uh, that's the, that's the biggest thing to me that that from talking to him and people around him that that is that has made him more appreciative, but also has changed him. And, you know, you said that he was kind of worn down at the end of his Auburn tenure. Would you say that now coming to UCF, he's just a lot more, you know, energized and being around this program now and not having those same pressures? It's kind of allowed him to, you know, I guess, kind of get a sigh of relief, so to speak, and, and you know, get back into, you know, what he's meant to do, which is just to build a program and, you know, hopefully get it to a national championship level. Yeah, he just wants to coach. And and that's the thing that was kind of wrestled away from him over and over and over again was just calling plays, but also coaching. I mean, this is a guy that ran every single offensive meeting at UCF, whereas at Auburn, you know, he kept being told to give his coordinator duties away to an assistant coach. And then he'd go back and be able to take it back and wrestle that power away. And then he'd have to give it up again. And it just led to some inconsistencies there that affected how everything was conducted at Auburn. And the guy is very energized. I mean, talking, to, I mean, I saw it up close uh, last week, but also Dylan Gabriel was just straight up telling me, listen, I, I've been around a lot of coaches and I've never seen anybody so energized at 8 a.m. and they're still the same at 8 p.m. Um, this guy doesn't slow down. And he's right. I mean, Gus Malzahn talks as, as boring as he can be in press conferences. It's incredible just like how energized he is when he's just talking football with his players. You know, it's like listening to a caffeinated professor in college that is just going through notes. And if you're not keeping up, you're in trouble because he quizzes you over and over and over again, these players in meetings. He'll start 
talking and go through like 20 things and then he'll go, Hey, by the way, what's your assignment on this? What's going on this? We check into this. And if you're a player, you better be ready because he'll just randomly pick on you. And that's kind of the professor that we all kind of hated in college, you know, but he's that type of guy with his players and players like Dylan Gabriel said they felt so prepared going into a game that it was, it, it was a very welcome change and something that kind of keeps them on their toes too. So Brandon, I'll let you go on this one. Can you just give our listeners an area or two where you've noticed the biggest change in Gus Malzahn, you know, whether it's as a coach or as a person, how is he different now than what he was at Auburn? Well, one, he's not dying his hair anymore. And I used to, <laughs> <laughs> I used to make fun of him for dying his hair because I know his wife would dye it for him and uh, it, the color would constantly change. And he had a funny reaction to that when we were talking late one night after meetings, it was actually the night before the game. And he said, well, listen, man, I'm not in the league anymore where everybody's chasing guys who are dying their hair. And I think that was maybe a subtle jab at uh, Nick Saban where everybody's like, well, he dyes his hair. I better dye my hair. You know, Les Miles did it. He did it. And every coach there. And I said, well, who are you chasing here in uh, the American who's dying their hair? And he's like, I, I honestly don't know if anybody dyes their hair here. He's just like more relaxed, which I know, like I saw that at times at Auburn, he would start getting more relaxed, but then the pressure would come back or something would happen behind the scenes that wasn't really public and it would just wear him down there at UCF. One, it's a honeymoon period right now. So that obviously helps. But secondly, he literally just does not have people in his ear all the time, which is great for him. And then also, I think he realizes that he's nearing maybe the end of his coaching career. And this is his last shot, really, to maybe build a contender. Now, he wants to win a national championship still and do so there. And that's, listen, no group of five schools ever reached a playoff. And certainly UCF's about to become a quote-unquote power five school. But it's an improbable task to be able to do that at UCF. But he wants to do something that's never been done before. And he's certainly in the early goings here. And when I talk about early, not necessarily on-field results, but with recruiting, they're doing things in recruiting UCF right now that they've never done before with their talent. They're trying to get four-star kids, five-star kids, and they're really trying to put a wall around that Central Florida area. And there's so much talent that they could certainly get the type of players there to one compete against the power five, but maybe two at some point, whether it's Gus Malzahn laying the foundation for it or the next coach, maybe they are contending to maybe get in the playoff at some point. And certainly when and if the playoff goes to 12 teams, the door will be more open for a program like UCF. So I think Gus realizes now that one, hey, I'm near the end of my career and why not just try the hardest I can and try some different things and new things and and kind of embrace that and just show people that, hey, I'm a changed guy, I, but I've been doing this for a long time. I know how to win championships. So just trust me. Let's have fun together down here and let's go try and win some championships as we get this thing rolling and, and get into the Big 12. And I think that kind of appeals to a lot of kids down there because a lot of those guys, you know, and talking to players, you know, they go off, you know, they live in Central Florida and it's kind of a city life to them. And they go off, you know, to Nebraska or, or to Mississippi State or whatever, and they're shocked by the atmosphere there and they're not being a big city life and going out partying and all this stuff. And 
you know, that kind of affects some of those kids. And that's just talking to some of UCF players who know those guys. And I think that uh, that's kind of what all UCF can offer them is one, it's home for a lot of those kids. But secondly, it, it really is kind of a, a city campus. It's right there in Orlando and everybody thinks of it as Disney World and vacations and all that stuff. But there's a lot to do there for kids. And there's just, a, it's just, a, it's amazing how energetic that campus and that athletics department is and uh it's really palpable they i mean it got my blood flowing after that game and and flying to charlotte to cover georgia clemson because i was like wow i just got to see what it's like to be part of a program or at least be close to it and it really is kind of invigorating being around all those younger guys as they prepare for a game and uh it makes you appreciate college football so much more you can find Brandon's piece on 247sports.com. It's titled Wired Differently Behind the Scenes with UCF as Gus Malzahn Engineers a National Comeback. Look, just this conversation is getting my blood flowing. I know I want to visit the bounce house soon. Brandon, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate you giving me some time. So much fun. Follow him on Twitter at bmarcello. And, and I'm serious. If you haven't had the chance to read this piece, I really recommend you do. For Brandon Marcello, I am Lance Glynn. We got some big games coming up this weekend, and we hit on one of the biggest tomorrow on the next edition of the College Football Daily. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.